Welcome to Straight Up Sports, the podcast. I'm Andrew Schaefer. In today's episode, we're going to recap the NBA trade deadline, my thoughts on the NBA All-Star game that just ended 20 minutes ago, and congratulations to Team LeBron on winning $300,000 to LeBron's charity, and also Kawhi Leonard on winning the Kobe Bryant All-Star game MVP. And we'll also talk about the Houston Astros sign-stealing scandal, but I want to start with recapping the Super Bowl a little bit. I know I haven't gotten a chance to do that in the last couple of weeks. Um... First off, congratulations to Kansas City. Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid got it done. It just wouldn't have felt right if they didn't win. You know, watching the Super Bowl, I'm like, does San Francisco really get to win? Like, really? San Francisco? Like, you know, Garoppolo's okay. He's, you know, a, you know, a, just a little above average quarterback. They got a great running game, great defense, led by Nick Bosa and Richard Sherman. But boy, Richard Sherman looked really old on that one play. I mean, Sammy Watkins made a beautiful wheel route there, blew right past him, and that was pretty much the game. I mean, Mahomes made two huge plays. He made a deep throw to Tyreek Hill for about 50 yards, and then he made that that touch pass to Sammy Watkins. And then Patrick Mahomes gave it to his running back, and the guy broke the plane, barely, but he broke it. And people could say that that call changed the Super Bowl. I don't really know if it would have made that much of a difference. I mean, Kansas City was going to win it anyway. It just, it just didn't feel right if San Francisco would have won. It would have felt really weird. I think a lot of fans would have been like, eh, really? We played 17 games and three playoff games to watch a team led by Jimmy Garoppolo win the Super Bowl. When Patrick Mahomes is flashier, they had more of a story. Andy Reid had never won. And now Andy Reid's a Super Bowl champion. So I'm really happy for him. He's going to go to the Hall of Fame, cemented the legacy. And I know a lot of players who played for him were happy. Um, I know a lot of fans were happy. I rooted for Kansas City. Um, you know, I'm happy to see them win. Um, but enough about the Super Bowl. I know it was two weeks ago. Uh, let's talk about the Houston Astros. So obviously, um, the commissioner of Major League Baseball came out today, uh, Mr. Manfred, and had a press conference at 4.30. Basically, you know, it's like an introductory press conference, you know, to open the season in spring training. Now, I'm going to read a tweet from a guy named June Lee. Now, June Lee is a staff writer for ESPN.com. And I'm going to read you a tweet that he, that he wrote at 4.57 today, February 16th. Manfred said he considered stripping the World Series title from the Astros and that the league office spent a lot of time discussing the possibility. He said the reasons they didn't was because of a lack of precedent and that he wanted to let the public judge the facts of the situation. Manfred, quote, I understand why people feel the players should be punished because they didn't do the right thing. If I was in a world where I could have found all the facts without granting immunity, I would have done that. Are you fucking kidding me? Really? I, I mean, seriously? You're, you're waiting for the public to judge the opinion? You're the commissioner of a sport. Are you kidding me? I, I mean, that is the most asinine thing I think I've ever heard. The commissioner of baseball, the guy with the most power in the sport, says, you know what? I'm going to let the fans decide, and then maybe I'll make a decision. Are you out of your mind? I mean, you've got to be fucking kidding me. Okay, first of all, the Astros should be stripped of the World Series. Now, I am a disgruntled Yankees fan, but I think even if the Yankees did something like this, I, I would say, you know what? Baseball needs to do the right thing and take away everything. They cheated. Okay? And a lack of precedent at that is... That is ridiculous. And now what's going to happen, we all know what's going to happen, is someone's going to throw at Bregman or Altuve or Correa or Springer or somebody, 
that pitcher is going to get thrown immediately out of the game and he's going to be suspended for five games. And basically Manfred's going to protect the Astros. That's ridiculous, okay? They should be able to throw at them as many times as they want. Now, don't hit him in the head. You know, we don't, want to, we don't want to see anyone get injured. You know, throw behind him, throw it high and tight. That's fine. Don't injure the player. Don't intentionally throw at his head. That's very dangerous. We don't want to see that. But, you know, you can test him a little bit. And I think Houston, the Astro players are going to expect that basically every at-bat they get up. They're going to expect guys to throw at them, and they have to be ready for that. And then you got Justin Verlander, who comes out, tweets, you know, a few years ago and starts talking about how they got to get rid of the electronic stuff and, and all this stuff. Sign stealing's bad for the game. Meanwhile, his team freaking cheated. He probably cheated with him. So, I mean, the guy's the biggest hypocrite in the sport. And, you know, the Astros basically look like a bunch of idiots and a bunch of cowards. And then the owner, Jim Crane, I mean, I mean, this guy is a moron. I mean, comes out spring training and says, oh, I'm not really sure the sign stealing had an effect on us winning a World Series. Really? Because I can guarantee you if Alex Bregman didn't know a fastball was coming, he probably would have struck out as good of a hitter as he is. So that's bullshit. And I'm sorry, but A.J. Hinch is going to get another managerial job. The guy won a World Series. Cheating or not cheating, he, he's going to be a manager in a couple of years for another team. You better believe a team's going to take a chance on that. And let's be honest for a second, okay? The Houston Astros are still going to be good this year. Sign stealing or no sign stealing. They're going to be a good team. They still have all the talent. They have pitching. They have everybody. Yes, they lost Garrett Cole. But they still have Altuve, Correa, Springer, Bregman. They still have a lot of talent. And guess what? They're probably not the only team cheating. Here's a newsflash. Okay? Sports is very corrupt. Okay? Every sport has their own way of cheating, whether it's performance-enhancing drugs whether it's sign stealing in baseball, you know, whether it's play calling or camera looking in the Patriots case, you know, whether it's referee scandals, there, there's all these different things. Sports are very, very corrupt. And what we need to understand is the Astros just got caught doing it. There were other teams that are probably doing that. I don't know, I don't know of any for sure. I'm not accusing anyone. But there is definitely cheating going on in, in sports, and baseball, again, has been caught. They were caught with steroids, and now they're caught with this. Now, Chris Bryant of the Chicago Cubs came out and said that he thinks sign-stealing is worse than steroids, and I agree with him. Okay? Everybody in the league, you know, at least most of the power hitters like Bonds and McGuire and those guys, they were all connected to steroids. But you still have to have talent to hit a baseball, whether you're strong or weak. You still got to have the, the hand-eye coordination to hit a baseball, right? But this is integrity of the sport. I mean, not that steroids isn't, but this is, this is bad, right? You're basically stealing a sign to win a baseball game, right, to win a World Series. The Dodgers should have been World Series champions in 17. Judge should have won the MVP. But the reality of the situation is the Astros still have the title. The banner is still hanging in, in, this, in the uh, stadium, you know, I mean, what did they do? Great. They fired the manager and the GM. whoop the friggin' do Did they do anything to the players? No, they were granted immunity. That was asinine by Manfred. And let me tell you something for the record. None of these commissioners are that great, right? Gary Bettman is awful. Manfred is awful. Roger Goodell is awful. And Adam Silver might be the best commissioner they have. And the whole China thing was a screw-up. So I, I think... 
they're all not great. Adam Silver, like I said, is probably the best one. Um, but still, it's 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 bad. What's going on in baseball? They have an image crisis, big time. You know, and I I think Manfred, Commissioner Manfred's idea was okay. Spring training's around the corner. We can get the season hyped up. We don't have to talk about this anymore. Yada yada. This is going to be talked about every single time the Astros are playing. This is going to be talked about all season long. And when a pitcher throws at him and gets their chance, they're going to drill him. They're going to hit him hard, whether it's Altuve, whether it's Bregman. I think they're going to go after Altuve and Bregman in particular and Correa as well. Springer's been very quiet. I don't think Springer's going to get a lot of attention. I think it's going to be more of the other three guys. Um, you know, and then look what happened to some other teams. Look, the Red Sox fired Alex Cora. They hired Rod Renneke. Rod Renneke was a manager in Milwaukee for a few years. The Red Sox are probably the seventh or eighth best team in the American League, and they're probably not a playoff team, right, after trading Mookie Betts to the Dodgers. So they're probably not a playoff team, right? Then you've got the Mets. They hire Carlos Beltran. Then they fire Carlos Beltran. And then Carlos Beltran was found out to be the ringleader. Congratulations. How to Ruin a Hall of Fame Career 101 by Carlos Beltran. You can write a whole book on it. You know, I mean, then the Mets hired uh, Rojas to be their manager. And Rojas seems to have the, the locker room galvanized a little bit. So we'll see how it plays out for the Mets. I happen to think the Mets are going to have a really good season. I think they're going to be good. I liked some of the moves they made with Porcello and Waka and those guys. And, and like I said, we'll, we'll see how it plays out. But Rob, Commissioner Manfred just really does not have a clue of what to do. Like, he is completely clueless. So uh, so let's move on. We'll talk about the NBA trade deadline. It passed. Uh, obviously, some teams had to make some moves. Um, and there were a lot of teams that made a lot of moves. So I'm going to start with the trade that happened on February 5th. This was the big move. It was a 12-player trade between four teams. It was between the Atlanta Hawks, the Denver Nuggets, the Houston Rockets, and the Minnesota Timberwolves. So the Atlanta Hawks received Clint Capella and Nene from Houston. Nene was then waived. Nene's career is basically over. Um, veteran guy, been around a long time, but he's done. Clint Capella's been hurt most of the year with a heel injury, but he's a center who, you know, can is very good on pick and rolls. Defensively, he's very good. He's just not a, He just can't shoot jump shots. Um, for Atlanta, I think it's a good upgrade for them. You know, they had Alex Len there most of the year. I, I like this move for Atlanta. Denver then got Shabazz Napier, uh, Keita Bates-Diop, and Gerald Green, as well, as well as Noah Vonley and a 2020 first-round pick from Houston. Now, Shabazz Napier was traded to Washington for Jordan McRae, who I really like. I think that's a good move for Denver. Keita Bates-Diop is a, is a, uh, a young player from Ohio State, was their best player when they were in the NCAA tournament, but it hasn't really worked out for him in, in Minnesota. Now he's going to get a chance in Denver. I actually really like Kata Bates D up coming out of the draft. was a second-round draft pick. Um, just hasn't really gotten an opportunity in Minnesota. Gerald Green broke his hand beginning of the season, hasn't played since. He was waived. Um, Noah Vonley, who played for the Knicks last season, you know, kind of had his ups and downs in Minnesota. Now he gets a chance to be a part of a playoff team in Denver, and then they also got a first-round pick from Houston. Houston then received Jordan Bell from Minnesota. Jordan Bell is a guy who's kind of been up and down. You know, he had a good rookie year, then really struggled, doesn't shoot well. He's pretty much like a like an athletic pick and roll undersized four who's not really anything exciting. The big guy they really wanted was Robert Covington. They got him from Minnesota. He's a solid three and D. It's really interesting what Houston's doing because now they're going really, really small. They're basically going down with the Dan Tony ship. I don't think this is gonna work at all. 
I don't even know if Houston's going to get past the second round. Um, and like I said, Covington is a really good defender, but last year he missed 45 games due to a knee injury, so that's a little bit concerning. Um, but we'll see how it plays out for Houston. And then they also got a second-round pick. And Minnesota, who was one of the more active teams at the deadline, got Malik Beasley from Denver, who I really like. I think that's a really good pickup for them. Evan Turner, who's probably going to be bought out. I know the Clippers are speaking to him currently um, to see if he wants to join their team. So it sounds like there's a buyout there. They also got a first-round pick, Juancho Hernan Gomez, who's the brother of uh, Billy Hernan Gomez. And they also got Jared Vanderbilt from Denver. Jared Vanderbilt, for those of you that don't know, he was a, uh, he's, a he's like a rookie second-year player out of Kentucky Broke his foot, basically didn't play all last year. You know, he, he just hasn't, again, hasn't had an opportunity on a really deep team. And now he gets to go to a kind of a rebuilding situation, a little bit of a rebuilding situation. Uh, we'll get to the big trade they made in a moment in Minnesota. But again, for me, um, I like it for Minnesota. You get a couple of young players who could use a change. Houston, I, I don't really get it. I, I mean, Covington's a good player, but you're going really small. I just don't like it for Houston. Denver... You know, again, you got some depth pieces. You know, again, not really much. And Atlanta got Clint Capella. We'll see how that plays out with Trey Young. Trey Young was complaining earlier in the season that he wasn't getting enough talent on his team. So now he has a center in Capella. He's got John Collins there. Um, so I, I think he's starting to get a little bit more young talent. I, I do think Lloyd Pierce is more of like the culture setter, and then they're going to bring someone else in to kind of get them over the hump. Um, then we got to February 6th, which was the NBA trade deadline day. Uh, so I will go eat through each trade one at a time. Uh, we're going to start with uh, the Philadelphia 76ers trading James Ennis to the Orlando Magic. James Ennis is, you know, he's a forward. He's kind of bounced around a little bit, was good in Memphis, good in Miami. Philadelphia, he averaged about eight to nine points a game. He, he was nothing more than a role player. Goes to Orlando now. Philadelphia had to move somebody because they had to open up room for Alec Burks and Glenn Robinson III, who they ended up getting from Golden State. So they had to open up a couple of roster spots. So they moved James Ennis for a draft pick, and then they waived Trey Burke, the former Michigan point guard. So they had to do something. Um, I think Philadelphia did a nice job at the deadline. Personally, for Orlando, this is just an upgrade to their bench. You know, They really needed some depth, and James Ennis is a nice depth player. Then the big trade happened. Minnesota... And Golden State swung a deal where Minnesota received D'Angelo Russell, Jacob Evans, and Omari Spellman for Andrew Wiggins, a 2021 protected first, and a 2021 second. For Minnesota, obviously, Carl Anthony Towns was really disgruntled. He was not happy. Um, so now he gets to play with one of his boys, D'Angelo Russell. Those two players alone might be two of the worst defensive players in the NBA. Jacob Evans was a guard out of Cincinnati. You know, he, again, never really got an opportunity, but I actually liked him coming out of the draft. Had a He had a half-decent rookie season when he played. He just never played. And then Omari Spellman, he's kind of bounced around a little bit, was in Atlanta, went to Golden State. Now he's in Minnesota. But he's been a solid role player. He's a nice, solid big for Minnesota. Golden State gets Andrew Wiggins on a really bad contract, but Wiggins has actually had a nice year. He's averaging 25 points a game. And then they get a protected first and a second. And I think what Golden State's hoping for is Andrew Wiggins can kind of turn into a better version of what Harrison Barnes was for them, which is basically a score. But they're hoping they can get a little bit of more defense out of Andrew Wiggins. Harrison Barnes was not a great defender. Wiggins is more has the body type to be a great defender. And they're hoping that their winning culture can get something out of Andrew Wiggins. 
Uh, for me, I, I like this. I actually really like this for Golden State. I mean, as scary as it sounds, because again, D'Angelo Russell was not a part of your future, right? They have Curry and Thompson, so you had to move Russell at some point. And the fact that you got Andrew Wiggins, who again is on a bad contract, but at least you got somebody decent in return. And you know, uh, they got a protected first round pick, so I, I don't think that's bad either. Now people will say, "Oh, D'Angelo Russell is a better player than Wiggins." You can make the case. I mean, I think they're pretty similar. They're both ball hogs who don't play defense, really, and they want their numbers. That's who they both are. I mean, you know, D'Angelo Russell's bounced around the league. I feel bad for him. I really thought Brooklyn was his spot, but then Kyrie said, I want to play for Brooklyn, and that kind of screwed him. Now Minnesota is his spot, as him and Towns will see how it plays out in Minnesota, and we'll go from there. Um, then we had a little bit of a minor trade. Uh, Derek Walton Jr. went to Atlanta for a second-round pick, and Derek Walton Jr. was a guard of the Michigan Hasn't really done a lot in the NBA. Again, that was for the Clippers to clear a roster spot, roster spot for Marcus Morris. Um, Atlanta received Scalabissier from Portland for a second-round pick. Again, Scalabissier is more of like a third-string player. He's bounced around a little bit. You know, he's a depth big, but he's not really an impact big. He's more of a fill-in. Then, as I mentioned, Philadelphia got Alec Burks and Glenn Robinson III from Golden State for three second-round picks. Uh, I like this move for Philadelphia. Alec Burks is averaging 16 points a game. He's had a nice year. Glenn Robinson III is having a career year at 12 points a game. He's been a really good role player. And I think those are two upgrades over what they had coming off the bench. Um, so I like that move for Philadelphia. Then, as I mentioned before in the first trade, Denver did get Jordan McRae for Shabazz Napier. I actually like Jordan McRae. Here's a kid who played you know, in the G League a lot, um, played at Tennessee, uh, he also played in Washington and Cleveland as well. And I think if he gets an opportunity, he can put the ball in the basket. Like he's a guy, if you need a bucket, you go to him. If you need like a little bit of a spark plug, he's more of a third string player, but he's not a bad third string player by any means. And then Miami and Memphis swung a big deal. So Miami got Andre Godala, Jay Crowder, and Solomon Hill. Minnesota actually got James Johnson. It was a three-team trade. And Memphis got Dion Waiters, my guy from Syracuse, Justice Winslow, and Gorky Jang. So let's break this down. James Johnson goes to Minnesota. Now, James Johnson has a $16 million player option that he's going to opt into because he's not getting $60 million in the open market. He's a good veteran player. I'm sure Minnesota may have considered buying him out so he can go to a contender. But I think at that point, you know, it's just too much money to eat. For Memphis, you know, Dion Waiters did get waived. Um, by the Grizzlies, so he is a free agent. He is talking to the Lakers right now as we speak. Um, Dion Waiters, I got to see at Syracuse University where he, I was a freshman, he was a sophomore. He's, he's always been a scorer, but he's been known as a complainer. He's had some locker room and off-the-court issues in Miami. And when you're getting caught yelling at Eric Spolstra, that is not pretty. Like, Eric Spolstra is one of the most highly respected coaches in the game. It's just not a good look for him. Justice Winslow. Uh, came out of Duke, won a national championship. Unfortunately, he's just had a lot of injuries. Um, he's been hurt most of this season. I believe he's only played in nine games. He's just been really banged up. But now he gets to go to a young team like Memphis with a young core and a team that he can help. And then Memphis also got Gorgie Jang. As, as I mentioned on the NBA Trade Deadline podcast, um, they needed a backup center. And now Gorgie Jang can fill that role behind Jonas Valanciunas. In terms of Miami, they get a championship-winning player in Andre Iguodala. He gets $30 million extension for basically doing nothing the whole year. Uh, Jay Crowder is a, a gritty 3-and-D guy. 
And Solomon Hill has actually had a nice year when he's played. I just don't know if he's going to play a lot in Miami. Uh, for me, the winner here, I actually really like what Memphis did. I, I mean, I know Deion Waiters got waived. But, you know, Justice Winslow, I think, can really help them if he's healthy. Now, is he healthy? I don't know. You know, Jang fills a need for them, a backup center role. Iguodala, he makes them better, but he doesn't make them a championship contender. You know, Jay Crowder, again, makes them better, but it doesn't make them a championship player. Now, Jimmy Butler is clearly the number one there. Bam Adebayo is clearly the number two there. Iguodala is not a scorer. He's a defender. They're Miami-type players, though. Gritty, hardworking, defensive guys. I like the fits for Miami, but I like Winslow in the long term for Memphis if he's healthy. Then we had another swap. Jordan Bell actually then got traded by Memphis. Um, Jordan Box, excuse me, got traded from Houston to Memphis uh, for Bruno Caboclo, who is, I think is still four to five years away from being the next Kevin Durant. Way to go, Fran Fraschilla. Well done. Um, then the Knicks finally got involved in the trade deadline. Um, Isaiah Thomas and Marcus Morris were traded to the Clippers. Now, Isaiah Thomas came from Washington. He was waived. He has not signed with a team. Marcus Morris was traded to the Clippers. The Knicks got Mo Harkless, a former St. John's product, and a local boy from Queens. The draft rights to Isif Sanin. I'm definitely not saying that right. He's from the Washington Wizards. They got the Clippers' 2020 first-round pick, which is essentially 27th or later. And they got a protected first-round pick for next year's swap. They're not swapping with the Clippers. And they got a second-round pick, which is Detroit's second-round pick, which is basically going to be another first-round pick if the Pistons do it right and tear it all down. So Marcus Morris, I think, will really help the Clippers. Again, their bench is so solid. Their depth is so good. And I, I think Marcus Morris will fit right in there. Um, Mo Harkless, I think, is a guy. He, he has an expiring contract. It's a good amount of money. They're just going to let it expire. Uh, do I think he re-signs? Maybe, but I, I just don't think he's good enough, you know, at least on my team. You know, he's a good defensive player, uh, but I just don't know if he's going to fit a role. But we'll see how it plays out. Then Atlanta reacquired Dwayne Dedman from Sacramento in two seconds for Jabari Parker and Alex Len. Dwayne Dedman was on Atlanta, went to Sacramento, and then he wanted out, and now he's back in Atlanta. Jabari Parker's a guy who's really bounced around, blew out his ACL twice in Milwaukee, played, I believe, in Washington, Chicago, and now he's in uh, he was in Atlanta, now he's in Sacramento. And Alex Len goes to Sacramento. Alex Len's a free agent after the year. He's had a really nice year for Atlanta, uh, but he could help Sacramento at that center position. Then Andre Drummond, which is really a surprise. I mean, going into the deadline, I, I really didn't know what to expect with Drummond because his value really tanked. Um, he was traded to Cleveland, which was surprising. I think Drummond was expecting to go to more of a competitive team. And now he ends up on the Cleveland Cavaliers for Brandon Knight, John Henson, and the less favorable of Golden State's 2023 second-round picks. So basically he got traded for a box of cookies and a laundry machine. I mean, the guy got traded for nothing. Now in Cleveland, he's obviously going to start next to Kevin Love. And Kevin Love is probably not long-term. Drummond has a player option. He is going to opt in because it is $28 million. I don't think Drummond is going to get more than that on the market. He would be smart to opt in and take what he needs to take. Um, again, I nothing against Andre Drummond personally. I just think the game is, is kind of past him right now. 
He's not a shooter. He's a back-to-the-basket big who can't score. I mean, who? sorry, who can't shoot. I mean, he's a great rebounder. He can definitely finish at the rim. But he cannot, cannot shoot the ball. Now, he did it two threes in his first game, but that's probably more of an admiration than anything else. So that's the NBA trade deadline. Um, my winners, um, Golden, uh, excuse me, Minnesota for me, getting D'Angelo Russell, you know, even though I did say Golden State won that trade. I still think D'Angelo Russell is a good talent, and he is an upgrade over what they have in Minnesota at the point guard position. Minnesota moved Jeff Teague out to get D'Angelo Russell. That is an upgrade for me. Philadelphia, nice job getting Alec Burks and Glenn Robinson. The third, I like what the Clippers did, getting Marcus Morris. And I like what Miami did, getting Andre Iguodala and Jay Crowder, two guys who really fit Miami. The losers for me, um, Boston, didn't do anything. I think the prices were too high. And a lot of the guys that they wanted were on bigger size contracts, and they can't afford to trade any of their players. So Boston was kind of stuck, and they couldn't really do anything. Now, there is still the buyout market. You know, Does Tristan Thompson get bought out? Right now, the answer is no, but it could still happen. Um, I was surprised how some of the other teams didn't make any moves. Um, I thought a team like Indiana would make a move. They didn't really do anything. They kind of kept status quo. I guess they figured Oladipo was kind of their addition uh, at the trade deadline. He might have been the best addition for anybody uh, if he's healthy and if he's playing the way he should. You know, the Lakers didn't really do much. They kind of stuck. I know they were back and forth on Morris, and they just didn't want to give up Kyle Kuzma. You know, that's fine. Um, We'll see how the Lakers play out. You know, but for me, those those are the teams. Um, and again, I, I think the Knicks also did fine. Um, you know, they traded Marcus Morris, got a local kid and a draft pick. But I would have liked to have seen them be a little bit more active. I would have liked to have seen Bobby Portis go, Alonzo Schreer go as well. Um, but I get it. You know, it's hard to kind of make moves when you fire Steve Mills two nights before, and then you're bringing in Leon Rose. It's just kind of a whole different animal for the Knicks. But the Knicks also lost at the trade deadline because Jim Dolan decided to put out a note saying he wasn't selling the team. Now, Jim Dolan can say that all he wants, but the reality of the situation is Cablevision is not getting any stronger. right? People are going to YouTube TV, Amazon Prime, all these different things. Cablevision is starting to fade out. So it wouldn't shock me if in the next five to six years, Jim Dolan starts thinking about selling. I'm sure, he's not even, I'm sure it hasn't even crossed his mind right now. His main focus is to try to get the Knicks back on track and then so he could screw it up again. So that's the NBA trade deadline. For me, I'm still rooting for the Lakers to win the NBA championship, as I've mentioned numerous times. You know, after Kobe passing away, LeBron James, you know, if he can put it on his back, it's a whole other ballgame. And that transitions me to the All-Star game. Um, obviously, the All-Star game was played in Chicago. Um, I thought the NBA did a really nice job. Um, with the just all the festivities. You had the Celebrity Game Friday night, which Common won the MVP. You had the NBA All-Star, um, you know, skills competitions. Bam Adebayo wins the uh, the skills competition, which was a bit of a surprise. I wouldn't have picked him. I always thought he was a talent. I would not have picked him to win. Uh, you had a great three-point shootout, which came down to one shot by Buddy Heald. Um, you know, Buddy Buckets just went to work and, and did his thing, beating Devin Booker and Davis Bertans in the finals. And then the dunk contest was, you know, it was what it was. I mean, you had two great dunkers and Aaron Gordon and, and Derek Jones Jr. 
you know, going out it, but they were giving out fifties, you know, like Reggie Miller said, like Halloween candy. I mean, it was, it was ridiculous. I mean, some of those dunks, you know, were so similar. I mean, you were jumping over one guy, then one guy, then two guys, then the same guy. And it's just like, change it up. Stop jumping over the same two people. Stop jumping over Chance the Rapper because he's from Chicago. I don't care. Let's see you do a Jordan dunk. I'd rather see them do like a Michael Jordan tribute dunk than dunk over Chance the Rapper. Okay. The only reason Aaron Gordon dunked over Chance the Rapper is because the guy's from Chicago. And he's probably thinking, okay, you know, I could dunk over a Chicago guy. Maybe they'll give me a 50. But guess what? You know what the real reason Aaron Gordon lost was? Because Dwayne Wade was a judge. Okay, first of all, Dwayne Wade played with Derek Jones Jr. in Miami, right? So Dwayne Wade, of course, is going to be in favor of Derek Jones Jr. The way the judges should be done is not based on the city, but based on the legacy of the NBA, right? Think about it. If you put a panel of five judges, which is what they used to do, you put five of the best dunkers to ever play the sport. So you have guys like Dominique Wilkins, Michael Jordan, Julius Irving, Vince Carter, you know, those kinds of guys, five of those guys. Let's just say those four guys and, I don't know, and Spud Webb, right? So you have Dominique, MJ, Dr. J, Vince Carter, and Spud Webb. They should just have five dunkers who know what dunking is about and let those guys decide. Personally, I thought it should have been a draw. After the dunk off of two, it should have just ended in a tie. Not let's keep going until somebody wins. You know, this is not win by two or 21 or, you know, it's not even a playoff game. This is a dunk contest for entertainment purposes. I mean, Derek Jones did a between the legs dunk from a guy who passed it off the backboard. I didn't even know who the guy who passed it to him was. I had no idea who he was. The guy wasn't even that tall. Okay, I mean, Pat Connaughton cleared Giannis Antetokounmpo. Cleared. Okay, Aaron Gordon cleared Taco Fall. And people are saying, oh, he hit Taco Fall on the head. No, he didn't. Taco Fall just didn't put his hands down because he didn't know what to do. Okay? Aaron Gordon, Aaron Gordon, after Taco Fall's dunk, should have won that. I'm sorry. And Dwayne Wade gave him a nine on purpose because he wanted to see Derrick Jones Jr. win. We all know that. And Dwayne Wade can come out, put an Instagram post, and say, oh, I'm not the only one to put a nine on. I don't give a shit. You think I care if you put a nine up? No. The plan was you were going to have three tens, two nines, and call it a draw. But you said, oh, you know what? I'm going to put out a nine and then immediately pull out my earpiece so I don't have to hear all the bullshit and all the backlash. Oh, but guess what? You heard it all from every single person on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Because everybody knows that the reason Derek Jones Jr. won is because you gave him a nine. You gave Aaron Gordon a nine. So congratulations, Dwayne Wade. You now look like the biggest jackass in the NBA. And you know how many people probably lost respect for you last night? Probably quite a bit. Maybe not the players. And maybe not Miami Heat fans. But other fans like myself who grew up watching Dwayne Wade. I lost a little respect for him last night. That was really disappointing. And personally, you should have nobody associated with the city doing judging. The only people that should be judging a dunk contest are people who have won a dunk contest in the past. Those are the only people that should be allowed to do it. And then you got Kenny Smith saying, oh, this is a 50, this is a 50, this is a 50, this is a 50. Every dunk was the friggin' same. They jumped over this, they jumped over the same two dudes. Okay? 
The only dunks that were decent, Derek Jones doing the between the legs from a pass off the backboard, Connaughton jumping over Giannis onto the Kumpo, Aaron Gordon doing the Carl Malone 360 off the backboard, cuffing it with one hand. That was great. Derek Jones Jr. doing the reverse 360 with his left. That was beautiful. And Aaron Gordon dunking over Taco Fall. Everything else was very similar. You know, people say that the creativity came back last night. I can make the argument there really wasn't much creativity last night. Really, the only creativity I saw was Pat Connaughton doing White Men Can't Jump, which I thought was hilarious. You know, Dwight Howard, I mean, what the hell was that first dunk? Smiling in midair and doing a 360? What are you, a ballerina? Oh, let me just smile at the camera so I can get a 50. No. I don't even know why he brought Superman back because we all knew it wasn't going to be as good because he's 10 years older. So I don't know why he brought that back. That was an awful idea. You know, and to be honest with you, I could have thought of probably five big men that were better than Dwight Howard to put in that dunk contest, one of them being Mitchell Robinson. I mean, I just... I don't know. For for me, the dunk contest, I think, it, I think it was good entertainment. And I think the NBA, again, did a really nice job Saturday night. But it should have ended in a draw at the very least. And Dwayne Wade lost a lot of respect last night. Then we get to the All-Star game, which ended about an hour ago, as I'm recording here. And, you know, I thought they did a really nice job. They, they named the MVP after Kobe Bryant. So now it's the Kobe Bryant MVP Award. Uh, I love the idea of the target score. I thought that was great. They had a lot of money go to charity. Um, I thought that was really good as well. The kids stormed the court after the win. That's really awesome. Um, And Kawhi Leonard won the MVP. He had 30 points. He had eight threes. He got hot early and just never looked back. And honestly, that felt like a playoff game. He had a lot of fouls, people arguing with refs, referees going to the monitor. it's hard to blow an all-star game, but they almost did the referees. It was really bad. And by the way, shout out to James Harden. That's the best defense he's ever played in his career. Best defense I've ever seen James Harden play was the defense he played in the last like five or six possessions of that game. I give James Harden a lot of credit. He doesn't play a lot of defense, but when he does play defense and he plays like that, then we're talking about someone who can win a championship, but he'll never play like that in any game, except the all-star game because that's pride and a lot of different things. Um, but congratulations to Kawhi Leonard. He wins MVP. Um, Well-deserved. If Team Giannis had won, I think Giannis would have gotten the award. Um, you know, a lot, a lot of guys had good games, though. Um, uh, you know, Giannis had a good game. Uh, you look at LeBron James had a solid game as well. Um, Kawhi Leonard obviously won MVP. He played great. Rudy Gobert, I think, was a surprise. He played really well um, tonight as well. Uh, for Team, if you look at the box score... For Team LeBron, you had Anthony Davis had 20 and 9. Anthony Davis, obviously, from Chicago. LeBron had 23. Kawhi Leonard had 30. Uh, Chris Paul had 23. Simmons had 17. Then you go to Team Giannis. Giannis had 25 and 11. Pascal Siakam had 15. Joel Embiid had 22 and 10. Joel Embiid, by the way, made an excellent move on LeBron James. But, man, now I know why Ben Simmons doesn't like him. I mean, that guy got the ball in the post every time, and he's like, you know what? I'm just going to take this myself. Forget the rest of you. I'm just going to take it and go to the basket and get mauled. And that's why Philadelphia will never win a championship. He plays way too slow. Simmons wants to play at 100 miles an hour, and Bede wants to play at 2 miles an hour. So they're complete opposite. 
Uh, Kemba Walker had a nice night. He had 23 points. Rudy Gobert, as I mentioned, had 21 and 11. Kyle Lowry, my God, he could have won like five Oscars for the amount of flops he did. I mean, the flop on Harden was awful. Um, he tried to sell Anthony Davis at the end. That didn't work. Um, but he did take a charge on LeBron James that they didn't call, which I don't understand because that was clear. That was probably his best moment. Um, you know, but it was nice to see some new players. Guys like Brandon Ingram got a couple of minutes. Donovan Mitchell, um, Bam Adebayo, you know, uh, Devin Booker got some minutes. Um, you know, Jason Tatum, Sabonis. I mean, it's nice to see some new faces. Doncic, obviously. So, um, it's nice to see that the NBA game is growing. And now we hit the second half of the season where playoffs start coming around. And you know, this starts to become the best time of the year in sports, as most of you know. Um, you got March Madness coming up. You know, obviously that's a big tournament for a lot of people, including myself. Unfortunately, Syracuse won't be there because they're not very good. Um, you know, you've got the Masters and golf, a lot of golf coming up. You've got Major League Baseball starting to get ready, and then the NBA and the NHL playoffs are basically two months away. So that, that, that's a pretty big it's a pretty big stretch from about March till about the end of June, and then you start getting into offseason and draft and all those different things. Um, so my next episode will be Thursday night. Um, I'm going to record it Thursday night. It's an NHL uh, trade deadline podcast with Jake Trecapelli, who we've had on a few times. Um, obviously, him and I were wrong about some of the NBA stuff. That's going to happen. Um, the NHL, you know, we did have a couple of trades today, and we'll mention those, um, mostly with the New Jersey Devils. Um, you know, obviously, they're a seller, but we'll talk about that on Thursday night. Um, the podcast will probably go out Friday morning, um, and then uh, hopefully you guys can listen to it Friday afternoon or Saturday, whenever you guys get a chance. Um, I really appreciate you guys listening. It means a lot. Um, obviously, you know, it's... It's hard to record podcasts when you have a job and you have a social life and all these different things. Um, it's not the easiest thing, but I appreciate everybody that listens. And, you know, if you guys can share it with your friends or your family and, you know, the more listens I get, you know, hopefully we can kind of grow this thing and see where it goes. I know I, I was brought back by popular demand. So I just want to thank all of you for giving me the opportunity to, uh, to do this. Um, so as I mentioned, the next episode will be uh, Thursday, it'll be recorded Thursday night. It'll probably go out about Friday morning. Uh, it is going to be the NHL trade deadline podcast. The NHL trade deadline is Monday at 3 p.m. I believe that's when it is. So we'll see how it plays out. We're going to address all, all 31 teams, buyer, seller, just like the NBA trade deadline. Um, and we'll talk about some, some, obviously some big names as well as you know, some teams that we think are a player away from winning, teams that need to start rebuilding, teams that are kind of in the middle and what they need to do. Um, we'll go from there. Obviously, Jake Tricopelli is our NHL and NBA guy. He's watched a lot of this stuff very closely. Um, so he, he'll give us more of a, a different opinion than what I have because you guys listen to me all the time. It's good to have somebody else next to me to kind of help, you know, kind of facilitate the opinions, um, you know, and, and we'll go from there. Um, as I mentioned, I'm going to try to record these a little bit more often. Um, it's just very difficult with my job and, you know, and my social life and all these other things getting in the way. So, um, but I'll do my best. Um, so thank you all for listening. Uh, I'm recording this. It's down 1230 on a Sunday night. So I need to go to sleep because I have work tomorrow. Um, so thank you very much for listening. Uh, I'm Andrew Schaefer and this is Straight Up Sports.